Hey there, creatives. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. I'm excited to share this next conversation with you. If money is not your thing and it feels overwhelming, um, I think my next guest could really be an asset and help with that. Her name is Carla Titus, and she's a fractional CFO and founder and CEO of Wealth and Worth Within. And in this conversation today, she shares a little bit about what we need to be thinking about in terms of, um, you know, finances in our business and um, some things that we can do to help prepare for selling our business, should we choose to do so at any time. And without further ado, have a listen. The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I'm very excited to welcome my next guest to the show. Her name is Carla Titus, and she is a finance expert with over 15 years of combined corporate financial planning, analysis, strategy, and online business experience. She provides fractional CFO services and financial consulting to business owners looking to grow their business profitably. Her priorities for her clients are to grow profits, have cash in the bank, and pay themselves well so they can build personal wealth. Thank you so much for being here today, Carla. I'm really excited to talk to you. Me too. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to share all the golden nuggets, hopefully, with your audience. Yeah. So I think probably the first question would be, what is a fractional CFO? Yes, we get asked this a lot. (laughs) I think a lot of people are not familiar with even what a CFO, chief financial officer does or is as far as the role and responsibilities of that position. And I always like to describe it by um, sharing, you know, in a corporation, there's always the CEO and the CFO. We hear this a lot. People are probably aware and familiar. And what it is, is a partnership between the owner or the person driving the company and the financial partner that brings in the perspective on how to make best financial decisions going forward, not just today or in the past, but really forward-looking, projecting out what are the goals, how are we going to reach them, what is the plan, and also making sure that we're executing and monitoring on those goals as we're going along. The other thing that I compare it to is when business owners are having money questions and they look at their accounting team at their bookkeeper or their accountant and they're like, 
should I, can I afford to hire? Should I do this thing? Can I buy this other, you know, piece of equipment I need? And they're the accountant or a bookkeeper are looking at them like, what? I don't know. Like, why are you asking me? Or like, I don't have time to take your call because I have 400 other clients to attend to. And they're just not in a position where they either have the expertise, experience or skill set, or even the desire to sit down with you and say, well, let's analyze that decision, do the financial you know, analysis require and look at the data to understand, can we afford to? If we can now, when can we afford to? How much does it cost us? And what are some of the alternatives to our problem that we're trying to solve, which is hiring, that we can evaluate in order for us to make progress towards the goal, which is to maybe grow the company or be more profitable or bring in more revenue, create a new revenue stream. And that is the function, the forward-looking planning that a CFO is in charge of as a leader in the company and coming in at that what we call fractional role because those companies don't need a full-time CFO yet. They will one day, <laughs> and it, but they still need the leadership and the guidance and direction that an expert you know, in the field has. And we make that accessible through that fractional CFO position where you still bring in all the goodness of the leadership, the high-level expertise, the planning, the proactive approach to your finances, to your business at a fraction of the cost. Mm, that's awesome. So basically it's a contract position that um, allows you to go in, look at the finances of the business and help provide guidance um, based on what they want to do, but it's not they're not paying a salary, which if they were paying a CFO salary, <laughs> that would probably break the bank as a small business owner, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be affordable for them to hire a full-time CFO with all the requirements that it takes to have someone at that level and experience. And that's why the fractional role is so popular and much more accessible to all the small businesses out there that are trying to grow, but really need to tap into that financial knowledge and expertise to help guide what comes next for the business and be very proactive and intentional about the decision making around finances, which I know mm -hmm. kind of comes from your gut instinct or is an afterthought, but we really want to shift that conversation to more less intentionally control the path forward and decide what is our best alternatives to evaluate. And then before we make a decision, we've put it all out on the table, all the scenarios and all the options. And then we make a decision based on the information we gather for each of those scenarios and move on that path that hopefully is more profitable and also can, you know, put you in a better financial situation to have stability in the business long-term. Mm, yeah. So what are some just general things that small business owners really need to be doing to um, make sure that their finances are in order. I think a lot of us come in as technicians, we're proficient in whatever it is um, we studied and, and we're there to execute on that, but we're not necessarily so skilled in areas of things like accounting and uh, budgets, let's say, <laughs> things of that nature. Exactly. Like you said, nobody got into business to manage the finances or the accounting side of the business, let alone do bookkeeping, right? Like, let's be really clear. That should be the first thing you outsource the moment you can afford to do so. And we want you out of QuickBooks and into doing your business and growing the business, big picture that only you can do. So back to what are the basic things you should be doing is first, the books need to be closed every month. I know it's tedious. I know nobody wants to do it. It's such an affordable position to outsource and delegate out early on in your business that you should really consider bringing in 
and a bookkeeper. Uh, it could be a contractor, you know, that's doing that for you and closing the books. Make sure they're reconciling, categorizing, and sending your report every month as part of their service. Um, and also looking at the balance sheet to make sure there's nothing there that shouldn't be there. And if they don't know what that is, maybe ask them what their accounting background or experience is before you hire them. Because I find that there's a lot of bookkeepers out there that maybe don't have that expertise and it really can mess up your books and it can really make it tough at tax time to not get the right you know, tax deductions if the things are done incorrectly. So that's number one. Number two is you want to be looking at those financial statements every month. And, you know, I know that some people are not good with numbers or they're like, oh my God, I don't want to look at a spreadsheet full of things that I don't understand. The things we're looking at are four key things, right? You want to look at revenue. Has it gone up or down from the month before? Has it gone up, up or down from the year before? And just start to get an idea of what's happening in your business from a revenue perspective. That could be your how you bring money into the business, right? Your sales, your income, revenue, all those things are the same thing. Then you want to understand what are your cost of services? So if you have clinicians and you're paying them wages to do the work, to deliver the service, you need to understand what is that cost? And then after that cost, what is left? What is left for me to operate on? That is what we call a gross margin. And knowing your gross margin will start to give you some good idea of, are you at a healthy level or you need to make some progress towards getting back to a healthy level? I see that a lot of uh, group practices are on commission base or other types of uh, compensation structures that are not serving them. And when we really come down to the gross margin, it's just not healthy enough for the business to survive long-term. And they're starting to see cash flow issues or starting to feel really strapped because they can't grow and sustain that while still paying the staff high wages that do not also yield high results for the company. So there's got to be an alignment there. I see it often on capacity management and weekly clinical hours not being managed correctly that is really leaking the profits out of the business and not allowing to have healthy margins. And then from there, you want to look at your expenses of running and operating a business, total expenses, right? What is your subscriptions costing you? What is your rent costing you? Utilities, um, you know, if you have cleaning services for the office, anything that goes into just the overhead, what we call, right, operating expenses of the business, your admin stuff, maybe even yourself, because maybe you got out of clinical work at this point, and you're just an expense of your business, managing the business and running it. So understanding what is that number, and again, has it gone up from the month before, is it down from the month before, year over year, you know, just start to see some patterns in that. And you don't have to see, like, look at that many numbers to know where or not your business is healthy. Finally, there should be some profit left. And if there's not, then we need to do something about changing that. And that's where this proactive planning really comes into play to understand what is your path forward to fix that issue? What are your action steps to get you to profitability, even if it takes one or two months? And also, do you have enough cash flow to get you to the one or two month mark before you run out of money, you run out of business? And that's one thing that I think a lot of practices are not managing you know if you're insurance based you know it's going to take 30 60 days to collect on those how healthy are your receivables are they growing are your billers doing the follow-up job you know and if you're private pay are your clients paying you on time or they're taking like 120 days to pay their invoices and do you have a process to follow up with them again we want to make sure all those pieces are integrated because they all impact those four numbers revenue cost of services or cost of goods all right um operating expenses and at the end of the day profit that's left for you as the owner to hopefully not just pay yourself but also take some draws so that you can build your own personal wealth yeah i think that's really important um and I do think that it is challenging for many of us in 
in this particular business. One, because all of us have our own money stories that we bring along to the work. But two, I think that there's a lot of pressure um, in terms of accessibility and what that means in terms of fee structure and how can we um, command a rate that's commensurate with our education, training, experience, et cetera, um, but that also meets our rising financial needs. The cost of living um, has gone up exponentially the past few years. And, you know, most insurance companies have not raised their rates, which means that we're kind of getting squeezed as practitioners and making it difficult to really have a healthy, profitable business. What are some uh, recommendations that you have for folks that maybe they are taking insurance, the insurance refuses to negotiate and increase rates, how can they make adjustments in their business to still be able to call in the finances that they need to take care of themselves personally? But also, like you're saying, you need to have a, a nice cushion to be able to pay bills out as you're waiting for those receivables to come in. Um, what, what are some recommendations you might have for that? Yeah, so you mentioned fee schedule. That's one we always are looking and evaluating every six to 12 months with clients to understand, are we leaving money on the table? Sometimes you'd be surprised that if you build more, actually the insurance will remiss you higher for the same CPT codes that in the past they maybe weren't. And you weren't aware that their fee schedule reimbursement rates have change. And we found with a client in the process of doing that, that we were leaving money on the table. And so we went ahead and raised it high enough that we knew that for a few years, we will be okay not to revisit that because we also didn't want to have to change the fee schedule over and over again every six months. And so we intentionally did a boost just because of that. And I think I, I know that money stories do play a big role in this, but just remember you went to school for how long to be you know, an expert in your field, people are seeking your advice because they really, because you have the experience and expertise and you put in the time to learn it and people are benefiting, you know, they're seeing value on the other side of this. And I also say the more that you take in from payments and insurance and people who can't afford it, the more you can afford to give back out to the community by giving some pro bono or reduced rate. And that is not possible if you don't have a profitable business. It's putting your oxygen mask on first, like they say on the plane, mm -hmm. before helping others. And the more oxygen you take in, the healthier you'll be to be able to help everyone else, right? And so it's no different here. We want to make sure that you're profitable first, that your margins are not getting squeezed. And if they are, we need to step back and analyze what is happening with each insurance. What are the rates that are getting squeezed or reduced? How much are we paying our therapists? And do we need to make a change going forward? This is not about decimating your workforce either, by the way, by reducing everyone's salary and then making a mass exodus in your company. But it's really understanding yeah. for the next hires, do we need to change the way that we compensate? That's still fair. That's still, you know, beneficial to them as much as it is to us as a practice. And 
making sure that that change aligns with the margins we want to see going forward. And I think that's a much easier shift than trying to get your current workforce to buy into a pay reduction. So like, don't try that, please. And also there's ways that we can get creative. Maybe, you know, some of practices have been on commission based and we're trying to get them away from that to like a set rate. And we'll offer, you know, extra vacation days in exchange to changing, or we'll do a bonus structure instead and moving them away from commission. So those are some things that we try and test with. We don't do it all at once we try with one person see how that goes the more the ones that we will be more willing to change <laughs> that value their time off right that like they want more vacation and we want less commission so we try to offer them something that they see value in and in exchange we're asking for something in return um you know they can always say no and that's okay we just know that we'll have to eat the margin on those hires and then the next ones we do we'll do something different to make sure that we're bringing the right level of margin but if you're not looking at your margins, reimbursement rates from insurance, reassessing your fee schedule, all of this is interconnected. And then last but not least, your receivables. Do you have 200,000 of receivables that's just sitting there waiting because your claims got rejected? There's no follow-up. Your biller is not on top of it. You know, are you having to be behind your biller say, hey, do you submit? Do you resubmit? Do you call? Do they get denied again. What are we doing? And also like, negotiating with insurance companies on rates is something that can be done. Um, I'm not an expert on that, so don't ask me for help with it, but I know it has been done in the right way. There's people out there that teach you how to do that. And it's something you can evaluate to, to see if there's different, you know, uh, codes that you should be billing for, add-on codes that you can maybe tack on. Again, we're appropriate and where the service is being delivered, obviously, we do everything with integrity and making sure that you're getting the most out of, you know, your insurance. And again, not every medical biller is, you know, as expert as they, as others might be. So just making sure, sure. that you understand and are coaching and guiding too. Um, and that's something we do for our clients is we do work with their medical billers to understand, okay, why are your receivables so high? What can we do about it? Is there something missing? Do we need more follow-up and really help them kind of build that process? Because to us, it's also as much an accounting process as it is a medical billing process. It's uh, a huge accounting process. It is. Yes. <laughs> Right, just and the reconciliation. Least, yeah, and like that really is your cash runway right there, right? If you think about, if you were to collect that at the moment you submit the claim, we probably would not be talking a lot about cash flow because you would have piles of cash to rely on and runway and time to make changes. Things wouldn't feel so urgent, but unfortunately, because we're at the mercy of insurance carriers submitting payment, and then if an issue happens where your claims are completely rejected and you have a like hundred claims rejected at once and you don't know what's going on. You have to get on the phone with them and try to resolve it. And expedite. they're holding your payment hostage until you get that resolved. So if you don't have a line of credit, if you don't have that cash runway of two, three months of expenses, you might not make payroll in two weeks, right? And we never want to see you in that position where you're having to choose between paying your own personal bills and paying your staff. Like that is right. not fair to anyone. And it's no. not your fault either, <laughs> but it happens. Unfortunately, things happen, right? Uh, banks sometimes, you know, decide to close your account for no reason or put a hold on it. Yeah. Weird things happen. And what I've learned from my years of being a CFO for small businesses is that we have to be prepared for a lot of things. And then when nothing goes wrong, it's great because we just have a lot of cash and a lot of cushion and a lot of runway and don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> That's true. Um, I Knock on wood, I have not had that experience, but I could see how it could easily happen. Um, things come up every day that are unexpected too, um, that might eat at your, 
cash flow that you weren't expecting to have to do emergencies and repairs or whatever um, might have you. And if you haven't been actively like saving before you took on other people under your wing, I could, I could see how just rapidly it could become a disaster. Um, yeah. And, and emotionally that must take a toll on people too, when they're in that situation. Yeah. What I find with working with a lot of group practice owners is that uh, everybody's so giving, so generous and so uh, caring for their staff that they'll bend over backwards and do anything that they need to, to make sure that they're taken care of, even if it means financially, personally taking a hit. And I think that we can avoid a lot of that if we were just managing our cash flow, preparing for scenarios where, again, for no fault of your own, maybe you were put in that situation, but you know, you have two, three months of expenses. So you don't have to you know, rush and try to solve something like an emergency, a fire drill all of a sudden, you really have two months to figure it out and make some changes and figure out if you want to apply for a line of credit or something else that can help you weather that particular situation. And now we have time and we can breathe and we can relax and handle the situation from a position of power and control versus from a position of despair. And, you know, when you're looking a little despair, the banks don't like to give you money. So like, that's the worst time to go get a line of credit and ask for anything. Mm. Um, so having that ahead of time is going to be very beneficial, even if you don't use it or tapped into it. A lot of my clients, we set them up with one. We never touch it because obviously we're good at managing their finances, um, but it's there for the unexpected as you scale the business is going to take more money and more resources to get that, to do the hiring. You won't see those payments for 60, 90 days. The hire won't get fully to capacity for, you know, 30, 60, 90 days sometimes till they have a full patient load. So just knowing that and kind of working through the timing, especially when you're working through hiring, knowing when that's going to be, it's just going to give you a peace of mind so that you can better prepare and not freak out when you're not seeing those profitable months rolling because you're scaling and it's costing a lot of money. Yeah, I'm glad that you shared that part, right? That like sometimes people don't realize that as you're growing, things become more expensive. It shifts your profitability. I think I was definitely had better profit margins when I was a solo practitioner because I didn't have all of these additional expenses that I needed to purchase in order to manage having a group, right? Mm -hmm. Thing your rent goes up because you're in a bigger space. And then you're if you're doing direct deposit, well, that costs money to do run payroll, right? There's just an expense of that. There's an expense of, you know, making sure everybody has access to um, a shared schedule or EHR system, which mm -hmm. the more people you add on there, the more expensive that is, you know, so things just add up really quickly. And it makes it much harder, I think, to be profitable as a larger group practice than it did as a solo practice. Um, but there's probably things that I could learn to be more effective um, in this department too, I would say. Yeah, um, I think as you shift to group practice, but, what mm -hmm. happens is your profits do get tighter, but you also are, you know, 
taking out of a larger number, right? Your revenue is growing and you might still have 10% profit, but now it's a larger number that's 10% up. And what you want to be comparing is those percentage of, because as your company grows, now you're comparing apples to apples by looking at those percentage of revenue rather than absolute dollars, which we also want to look at to see, you know, are we making more? But ideally you have a bigger base that you're taking 10% off or 5% off. And that if that continues to stick, you know, over year, over year, as you add more clinicians and to the practice and the bigger that 10% of profit is going to be for you as a, you know, net number. And so there's benefits to scaling the practice. It's not easy. It is expensive, but I think that on the flip side, you should see more profit. Um, the percentage again, maybe won't change, but you should be able to see more absolute dollars as a profit total that you get to take home and, you know, also need to reinvest back in the business. So there's a healthy balance there. And this is around the time where, you know, having our services or someone that's guiding the way because your finances just got really complex. There's a lot of moving pieces. And as an owner, maybe you don't even have the time, let alone the energy or really like wanting to even look at it. Like, I know that, you know, a lot of practice owners are just like, I don't even want to look at my numbers and we don't really know what's happening. And so they want someone to guide the way or show the highlight reel on what's happening. So they still have the ownership of it, but they don't have to do all the work. Um, and we find that that complexity level is when we are best suited to work with a practice to come in and help delegate that out. You're not advocating your responsibility to know your numbers, but you at least have a guide to help you understand what's happening. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's important and really helpful. Cause like I said earlier, you know, we're probably really skilled at providing the therapy, but most of us don't have a background in accounting or bookkeeping or business management. Some people will go back to school and get those kinds of degrees, which is awesome. But for other people, I think it's it's almost an overwhelm thing too. Like it's overwhelming. I don't feel confident. I don't feel a sense of mastery here. Um, and therefore I'll avoid looking at it, which is, you know, not helpful. It's not a healthy relationship with the money if you're avoiding looking at mm -hmm. it. Um, so having somebody that has that expertise to be able to create the systems and structures in order to get the money managed in an effective way and help you interpret, okay, you do have enough money to be able to go and do this X, Y, and Z thing that you want to add in your business, or you don't. And here's why that's really helpful. Yeah. We like to say not yet. And then how can we make it possible? Cause we don't like to tell people no, uh, they don't like it. And so, but what we say is if you do this three things now it's say, heck yes, let's go do it. Uh, versus say, eh, I, I'm concerned if you go down that route now, right? It's like maybe in three months, here's what I want to see shift before we go make that decision. And I think that really helps business owners be at ease knowing that, okay, I need to go grow revenue by 20% before I go hire the next person. Great. Now I feel you know better about my decision. I know we're going to be on track. We're going to be healthy financially and we're not having to stress and have the sleepless nights. Um, but also, you know, something you said around, oh, some people go back to school and get like their MBA or whatever degree to learn. Well, you don't have to do that. You can also just partner with someone who knows that that can bring that partnership and expertise to you. Just like mm -hmm. you wouldn't go get a law degree and an HR degree 
you also don't want to get a business degree. There's a lot of degrees. I know you guys love and have all the degrees probably already, but like bringing in that partner that also is kind of that second brain in the business that you can consult with. Because I think ownership, business ownership is lonely and you can't talk to your employees about your issues uh, because you can't make payroll in two weeks, right? That's not an appropriate conversation to be having. So who do you turn to? Your spouse is tired of listening to you. They probably don't really have good advice either, <laughs> like unless they <laughs> have a business degree. And then um, your friends might not understand the stage of business you're at. and might give you like advice for a different stage, right? And so unless you have a good support system, then who are you turning to for those questions to give you really sound advice from a financial perspective to really make sure the business is operating in a healthy financial way. Mm, yeah, that's really sound advice and grounded in the reality of the situation, right? Like, um, yeah, we don't want to burden our em employees or, or staff or team members with those things. Um, and then of course, you know, we need that, we need some expert information in those times and we're probably not going to get them from our friends either because um, they probably aren't an expert in our type of business maybe they're an expert in business but they might not mm -hmm. be an expert in what it means to run a private practice which i think is a little bit different we have different constraints um because of our ethical codes legal stuff like that. So having somebody that has a foundational understanding of what we need as, as it pertains to clinical practice, um, plus that expertise in the um, accounting area and financial area, I think is a win-win. Um, it just, I think, it sets you up for better success in the future than if you're trying to just figure it all out on your own. Um, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. We want to make sure you feel supported and that you feel like you have the right information to make the right decisions in your business. And unless you love analyzing data and being spreadsheets, which we do, but might have, some of you might not, um, then it's going to be really hard to get those insights unless you're looking at your numbers, which is why we're such a big proponent of start by looking at your numbers. You know, they might be scary. They might not be perfect. But think of it as a starting point that you're going to make progress towards, right? Just like mm -hmm. when you give a patient a plan to improve on, you're yeah. starting from where they're at, right? It's not bad. It's not wrong. It's just what it is. And then you're helping them improve on that with your support. So it's no different than that. It's we're going to give you a plan, action steps, problem solve with you, and make sure that you have the right perspective from a financial lens to really get you to the next stage of growth that you want to see, improve what you already have. Um, and that's really when a CFO can come in really handy. If everything's going great and you know your numbers and your cash flow is healthy, like you might not need us, right? So you're on a good path. We want you to be there already. Um, but if you feel hesitant and you know that you can't turn to your current team to ask the questions and nobody's really helping you with that, then it might be time to explore, you know, getting some support and see how that could work best for your practice, especially if you're looking to grow. That's where a CFO really thrives and, and really comes in to help you accelerate that growth and also avoid mistakes that are expensive and keep yeah. you on track. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And how can, or how can, and, or how do you help people who not only want to grow, but are looking at their business as 
as an asset, as a financial asset, not for what it produces each week or month that it pays you, but as an asset for sale in the future, if you build your business up, it could have some valuation, which would allow you to sell and retire. How do you help people with that process? Yeah. What is surprising to me is that people think about selling when they actually want to sell. And that tends to be a little too late because if, unless you had the right financial metrics that you were already hitting for the last two years, um, they're going to go pull tax returns to see what your business was doing. And if it wasn't looking very good, you're not going to get the highest value for your business and your retirement, you know, uh, that was wrapped up in maybe selling the business and making hitting that big valuation might not be there. And you might just be discouraged and disappointed at that point and that you have to put in maybe a couple more years to fix it. And we don't want to see any practice owner, you know, be caught up with maybe it is even like a health situation where they can no longer run their practice, or mm -hmm. it could be a life situation where they just have to sell the practice for whatever reason. And we, we want to get you the maximum value we can for it. So what we want to do is start a process a few years before you're ready to sell. Also, I just think every business owner should have the option to sell their business when they want to, if a good opportunity or offer presents itself. So why wait till you're ready to sell? What if someone came to you and said, I'm going to give you this much? And you're like, wow, I never thought I could get that much for my practice. And maybe you're like, sure, I I can go for that. Or like, that feels great. I can go retire now. Um, and it's earlier than you expected, right? So always being ready with the right set of numbers and financially being strong is going to say you're in a position of power to take on those opportunities. But if you're just even not wanting to sell right now and you just want to have a good profitable business with a high valuation that one day down the road you want to sell, in the meantime, it's just a cash flow machine for you, printing the money, printing those profits for you to create your own personal wealth in maybe buying a building or buying personal assets. And so now you leverage the profits of the business to get you the assets you need for an early retirement or even not even retire. Because I think a lot of you like to work and, and so do I, but it's a work option or, or more flexible work hours. Or maybe you peel yourself off your business as much as you possibly can because you hired a right health instructor to run the day-to-day -day and you only get to do the things that are fun for you or the things that you really enjoy. And to me, the definition of, you know, personal wealth, it's really like the owners, right? Is it freedom? Is it time? Is it money? What is it? Like I said, buying a bunch of real estate properties. So what is it? And we always work with that end goal in mind and walk backwards to an action plan today that will help you map out how to achieve those goals long-term. And it might not happen in two years. It might be five years, 10 years out, whatever it is. Maybe it's putting your kids to college. You know, whatever your goals are, your business should provide the lifestyle and the results financially that you need for your life to be what you want it to be. And we're really big on, you know, mapping that out together because we know that as business owners, you're not just a business owner. You're also a person with life goals in mind. And if you haven't mapped those out, we're going to, you know, probably get you started a little bit on what is the end goal for this whole thing? And how do we make sure that the profits are powering all of those dreams and goals that you have for your life and then created that plan to make sure that you're ready for it. So it's much more than just adding value to your company. Of course, we're all, you know, about the results here too. Uh, but it's also what can the business do for you? Mm, yeah, I think that that part is really important, right? Like 
we invest so much of ourselves into this business that the business really should be working for us. We shouldn't be working for the business. Um, but sometimes it gets flipped around. What mm -hmm. are some things that people like need to be um, need to be doing if they do want to sell their business? Is there things that you would recommend that they start to do to prepare for that? Yeah, so a lot of what we talked about at the beginning is really some of the key financial metrics you're going to want to head and start to work towards improving. That is gross margin, right? Knowing what is left after your, play, your clinicians for delivering services that needs to be healthy. We like to see that, you know, again, and it's going to vary depending. This is not financial advice, but, you know, we're happy to help you with your particular situation. Uh, we tend to see that between like 50% gross margins, maybe even higher than that. On average, we want to see like that healthy level, you know, profits if you're scaling your company between five and 15% uh, on a yearly basis is what we like to see because we want to also reinvest back into what, you know, the growth needs to be. And again, it's going to vary depending on the size of your practice, right? If you're just going from solo to group, that might look a little different because you're investing a lot. And then once you have, you know, 10, 20 clinicians under you, the profitability starts to shift and it starts to get a little bit better. And then, then from there on, you know, the more you add, um, you'll see those profits continue to stay. But again, it's from a much higher base. So really controlling that, controlling your overhead costs. I see a lot of practices that are just adding a lot of admin support, right? Like so many people and maybe you can streamline some of that. You know what? Another opportunity that I see people are missing is automating a lot of their workflows, right? So what tech tools can we pay for to help reduce um, that amount of hours that employees are spending doing tasks, especially recurring tasks that maybe we can automate behind the scenes. And then obviously we want the human touch on the front end to make sure we're converting, you know, um, inquiries to paid uh, first appointments, but, you know, where can you introduce something to help your team save some time and streamline and help reduce the amount of workload and also just setting up the right processes. I think sometimes we are doing things that maybe are not streamlined and there's opportunities your staff might have some ideas, ask them, have you seen, you know, where we can improve? What are some things that you're noticing that, that we're continuing to repeat over and over again that could just be a automated process? And they, you'll be surprised how many ideas they might bring to the table. Um, but really keeping those overhead expenses um, to the right level, right? For the practice, as you grow and scale, you'll find that you'll add more to that, but really being intentional and evaluating every year. Are we putting the dollars mm. to the right places. Like what is the allocation? Being very intentional about that. Uh, with some of our clients, we do what we call like salary caps. We say the size of the team is going to cost us this much per year. And then we find a way of how we're going to fit everyone's salaries and compensation structure under that so that we know what we can afford to hire, what we can't afford to hire yet, and maybe what's a hire for you know the future versus the now. And a good healthy mix of like interns, associates, and, you know, supervisees that you can have can really help your profit margin also increase. So like not overlook some of those junior level positions that a lot of people need to get licensed on and really are looking for the hours and being able to get the supervision hours needed to get their licensure is really, you know, helping with that margin conversation as well. So I think having like a good mix of experienced people and then more junior are really going to help you drive those margins. But at the end of the day, 
really think about, you know, that profitability. Is it improving over time? Is it staying steady? Um, how are my gross margins doing? And then, you know, is the practice growing, right? Is the revenue increasing? Are we seeing more patients? How many appointments do we have? How many clinical hours per week? And start to evaluate those numbers that are really going to give you an insight into what else you need to be doing to continue to grow and increase the value of your practice over time. Um, those sort of things we evaluate and look at with our clients to make sure that things are healthy and are going in the right direction. And again, everything is intentional. We don't do anything by, you know, like um, just because surprise, like this happened. No, we're like, we have a plan, we're working towards it and we're intentionally trying to move the needle in those areas. Mm, I, I love that. And I agree. I feel like it's really important to have a system for tracking your metrics. Um, I know a lot of people will talk about that in terms of like social media and things, but I think it's more important to be looking at that in, in terms of what's happening in your actual business, right? Like are how, how are the calls being converted? What does that look like? Are you losing clients because the person on the phone isn't saying the right thing, right? That alone could be a way of automation, um, teaching people how to have those conversations that convert and um, encourage that client to book that first appointment, even if they're a little bit hesitant. Um, that makes a big difference. Yeah, I find that sometimes owners really benefit from getting on the front end of their process and getting on those calls to hear what patients have to say and like the feedback they get that gives them an opportunity to also improve the process. So like, don't overlook that, right? It might, I know you don't probably have a lot of time, but if occasionally you can jump on in a few calls and just listen to what, you know, patients are saying, then that gives you an idea of how to improve on things. Um and making sure that you're definitely coaching your staff on it and, and, you know, improving on those conversion metrics and also understand where are your clients coming from? Like, where are your patients finding you? Because I think sometimes we invest time and money and effort on things that do not move the needle. I always say likes and comments don't pay the bills. We got to yeah. get the calls booked, right? We want paid patients that are in need of our services and that we're matching with our services and providing that value and solving the problem for them. Where are they coming from? Are they coming from your website? They're coming from your speaking engagements. Are they coming from local newspaper, magazine ads, whatever you're doing online or offline that really could yield those patients to come finding you. And sometimes it is social media, but just understanding which platform and where are we going to put our efforts and how are we going to track that conversion to really understand that we have that return on investment ROI on those activities that we're putting time um, towards to bring in the right patients to our practice. Mm. Yeah. I think that that's really important for people to hear. Sometimes people think, oh, well, I, I has to be through social media, but that might not be the best way to get clients in the door. I mean, it just depends on who your population is. Who are you, who are you serving? And, um, and then what are you doing on the social media? Cause that part is really important. What's the messaging that you're using to get people to come in the door. I kind of look at it like, it's another opportunity for visibility. It's like another um, sign, road sign out in front of the office just to let people know that we're here. I don't invest a ton in that to convert. I'm more of a 
I would say in-person um, networker, connecting with other people, other therapists in the community and building that community network. Um, it's difficult sometimes because you might meet with somebody several times before you get a converted referral, but I feel like it's a much more worthwhile investment of time. And it's something that um, typically isn't going to change in the same way as like social media, the way they change their algorithms to actually get you out in front of your potential client, that's constantly changing. And so that's time, energy, uh, money that you're having to invest to educate yourself to figure out what that is or to pay somebody to do that for mm -hmm. you. Um, I don't know. It feels like a lot of output for a minimal return sometimes. Yeah. And I think this is where your data and your results are going to speak loudly on what is actually working and where you should invest more time. Maybe it is going to those referral doctor offices to send you all your patients and send them, you know, a little gift or donuts or coffee or something. And like, you know, making yeah. that connection, you know, that is bringing the leads, but you really need to understand where are they coming from first? If you're not asking that on your intake form and in your process, that might be something you want to incorporate right away. And then analyze your data. How many people say they found you on social media? Which social media platform? Um, you know, are they giving you back what you're saying in your message? Are they repeating the words that you're using in your messaging that said, oh, I said this, and then they're saying exactly those words back to me. That means the message is hitting. And that's why they're calling and setting up the appointment, right? Maybe they're finding you on psychology today. Like, where are they looking for you? And then how are they coming to you? And that's data you have available in your business today. And if you're not tracking it, start now, and then start to analyze and look at what are the trends? How many people? Is it 80% of our people finding us? through Google. Well, should we invest in Google ads, right? Like what is it and how does it work for your specific practice? And then what do you need to be doing more of that's working? And then let's double down on that. Let's allocate more money to it too. <laughs> and then see if the results increase because we put some focus or emphasis in the allocation of budget towards those activities. Mm, that's great advice. Love that. Is there any other kind of quick win tips that you might be able to offer listeners who are trying to work on this aspect of their business to overcome some of the hesitancy and resistance to actually investing money and hiring an expert to help them with finances? Any kind of tips or guidance for that process? Yeah, so I think the the best thing I can say is that we have been supporting group practices for a while. So we do know what are like some of the pockets of areas of opportunity um, that we immediately can come in and make a big impact. Our goal is to, you know, have not only our cost cover, but then have you get more out of your business because you brought us in as your team to create more value. That is the job of the CFOs to create more value for the company and really steer that strategic plan forward looking and help you execute and stay on track on that. So if you're having trouble doing that on your own, if you're not reading your financial statements or you read them and you have no idea what they say and you need someone to interpret 
for that. I speak both therapist and accounting, so I can help also be the, the liaison between you and your accountant and really get what we need out of that support role, um, you know, out of your bookkeeping team as well to make sure we have the right structure to make the right decisions, because that's what it comes down to with the data is your reports maybe are not being done correctly therefore you don't know what they say or mean and you know sometimes categories and things that get you know mislabeled and you're like i have no idea what goes into this and then we start to explore some of those opportunities to streamline and really tell have the statements tell us what we need to know to make decisions and again if you're just not you know, into spreadsheets or numbers, and you just want a guiding light and someone who is going to come and not judge your business, right? You are where you are. We're just here excited to make progress with you and being that partner and understanding that it might be hard for you to take that first step. And we're just going to make sure that you feel taken care of along the way with compassion and care, because we really do care about your business and we want to see you succeed. And if you're going to bring us on or hire us to support you, we want you to also have the financial results of bringing a team like this onto your business. There's no fluff here. The numbers don't lie. There will be results. We will measure against them. Trust me, I'll be the first one to put them in front of you, right? And so I think that um, there's a lot of people out there offering services that maybe are not tied to the numbers or the results. We are very much tied to the bottom line and understand, are we making a difference or not? So if you're, you know, hoping to hire a CFO now or in the future, um, something I want you to look out for is also what is their experience? What is their expertise? Do they have a finance degree? What is their background? Because I think all of that is going to help you inform to make a better decision on who you bring onto your team and trust. Um, that they know what they're talking about and do they specialize in group practices or healthcare? Are they the right CFO for you? Because there's so many options out there. Um, yeah. And then there's a lot of people that are not qualified to give advice and don't have the education or background um, that are calling themselves CFO. So I just always want to make sure that people are careful of that. Even your bookkeeper, right? Do they have the right accounting background? Um, all this roles that involve money, like, are they the right person to give you advice? Are they qualified? Do they have the expertise? And then are, are they going to help you improve and help you through a process that they have to get you the results that you're looking for? Because it's really easy to spot in the first three to six months if nothing has changed, because the, the results mm -hmm. won't be any different, right? Again, the numbers online, so you can always go back to your PL and say, did my CFO do their job? <laughs> it's hard to hide from that. That's great. No, that's true. Um, and that is really helpful to know that within three or six months, there should be some movement to point towards the evidence of like, this is effective or this is not effective. And maybe we need to make an additional change um, or tweak to whatever it is that we're doing. Um, that's really helpful. Yeah. And depending on the situation, yeah. that could be as long as one year, but you know, you gotta be seeing some progress. That's always my thought. It's like, if you can't see any progress, then something might, something else is happening and maybe there, you don't have the right person guiding you. Um, but if you can't move the needle in six to 12 months, then um, I'd be asking a lot of questions. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Cause then you're like wasting more of your finances that you're wanting mm -hmm. to be a better steward over and nobody wants to do that like flush it down the toilet you know we work so hard um to bring in what we do bring in mm -hmm. that we want to make sure that when we're bringing on someone um into our business that they are able to support our growth plan and um 
and help us, you know, with the bottom line. Yeah. And that's for every role and function, right? Not just a CFO or finance, but really like, what are you getting out of your marketing team? What are you getting out of HR support, legal team? Like, you know, we can just go and measure what is the impact on every single dollar we spend for every activity in the business. And really, if you don't understand that, that might be a place of opportunity that you can go evaluate. What have I gotten from this teams lately? <laughs> and then what value are they bringing to me and my business? Or are they, we just maybe outgrew them or we don't no longer need their support. That's another way to save some money and evaluate. I always say, go look at what you can stop, pause, delay, or cancel. And those are the areas where you'd be surprised how much of the savings we can yell our clients right away by just looking at those things, you know, and it could be temporary delay or pause. It could be, we cancel and then we realize three months later, we really needed that. And we put it back on, uh, maybe it's at the wrong level. Maybe we had the whole team subscribed to it. We only needed two people, you know, like those are the things that I want you to start looking at and really be discerning with your money. Cause you are working hard for your money. So I want you to keep as much as you can of that. Um, and not be just giving it away because only for the right things. <laughs> yes, definitely. We don't want to give it away. And um, I love that idea of going through each thing line by line. And can I stop this? Do I even need this service anymore? Can I pause it temporarily because I'm not using it consistently? Or can I just, you know, cancel it? terminate it. I try to do that at least once a year. I have not done that this year. It's something that I need to do. I have a few things that I want to tweak in terms of subscriptions where I know I have a subscription to one program and a subscription to another. There's some duplication and overlap, but before I can make the switch, I have to do some adjusting, but doing so will save me um, like 40 bucks a month. It's not a lot, but over the course of the year, that's a few hundred dollars or five years that you've probably ignored it for, or whatever, you know, however long. And I always say, maybe it's like, you need to double that investment to get rid of some three other pieces of software. You know, I, you know, we're not all, CFOs mm -hmm. are not all about cutting. We're just about allocating to the right places for the right amount uh, to accelerate growth of the business, right? And to see the value. We're always looking for ROI, like I mentioned before. Um, and then making sure that you're doing that once a month, this is your, or once a year, this is your reminder, right? To go through, and do that. And it's really about thinking strategically about your business and working on the business still instead of in the business, which we do a lot day to day. We know we're busy. We're all doing 20 different mm -hmm. things, but really come up for air. Look, you know, from the top down view. And what I hear a lot of our clients tell us is if it wasn't for our time together, I probably would never look at my numbers. So it functions like great accountability too <laughs> for us to support clients to have the meeting to go through the numbers, answer the questions and really take away whatever tasks or things we need to go work on so that with, next time we meet, we've actually made some progress. Um, so if that helps your audience kind of get an idea of what it's like to work with us as well on why they might or you know want to consider our support in their business too. Yeah, no, I think that's great and probably extraordinarily accurate having that accountability to, to somebody else particularly if it's something that one's been avoiding for a long time, um, that, that support through the process is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where, where can people, um, learn more about you, learn more about your business 
and um, and find out more of how they could work with you and you could come on and assist them in their financial goals for their business. Yeah, if you're looking for a fractional CFO or you're ready to outsource your finances, but still we're going to hold you responsible for the results because uh, we both do the work. We take most of it away, but there's still the decision-making that stays with you. Uh, you can check out our website at wealthworthwithin.com on the contact page, you're welcome to book a free call. We can have a conversation about whether or not now is the right time, if we are the right support for you, and can we meet your needs? We're really big on what are your needs and how can we meet them from through our services? And if we are not the right person, we have a huge network of other CFOs and professionals that can help you as well. If you're in a different stage, then maybe we think you can benefit from a different service. We're, we do a lot of our services with integrity and honesty. We just want to make sure that you all have the right support that you need, not just that you buy our services, right? If they're not right, we're going to tell you and say, go somewhere else. This is what you need now, not us yet. And then come back when you're ready. Um, and so if you're ready for that, go ahead and book a call on our website. If you want to follow along to what we're up to as we're growing our firm as well and helping other business owners, uh, you can subscribe for our newsletter on our website, again, wealthworthwithin.com. And if nothing else, we love to put educational content and free resources on our uh, social media at Wealth Worth Within. And you'll see a lot of videos where I explain a lot of these things that I talked about, go more in depth. And they're short videos because I want to make sure you get the key takeaway. And then if you have, you know, follow-up questions, you know, make sure you contact us. We're happy to provide you as much of the free resources as we can. We just want to see businesses thriving and, you know, employing more people and being profitable and being here for the long term. And we always want business owners to enjoy their business and have the business do what they need for them. Mm, I love that, Carla. Thank you so much. Um, I'm definitely going to sign up for your newsletter for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I've learned, I feel like I've learned so much just from um, listening to you share about what you do um, today and, and how the services that you provide are really valuable. Um, if we're serious about growing our business, getting it to its optimal, healthy state, profitable state, and um, so that it can best take care of everyone, ourselves, but also the other folks that we have in the practice and the clients that we're serving. So thank you so much for coming on and talking about this really important topic today. Of course, thanks for having me. And I know I want to see more group practices out there supporting all the mental health needs of all the patients out there that all need you so much in their life. So that's why we do what we do so that we can help more through the work we do to support you all. Yeah, it takes a village, right? Like um, we might be doing the work of therapy, but I do think that there's so many other people out there that are supporting the work of therapists through their unique lens and expertise area that, you know, it's a ripple effect of caring for the community. So thank you mm -hmm. so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode uh, 20 of season two with Carla Titus. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If again, if money's not your thing, um, her services might be something to look into. Um, I really loved that she will give a look at 
um, your situation and really provide some guidance on whether or not she's the right person to support you at this time. Like maybe first you need to do some other things before she can come in and, and really help um, get your finances in order. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and uh, we'll talk with you next week. Stay creative, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.